You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are going to talk about some trade rumors that involve a Packers player that we thought might be staying on the team, but that rhetoric might have been designed specifically to facilitate a trade plus a discussion about the Packers' ownership structure. Oh, everyone's favorite topic, right? What a sexy topic. Okay, no. But something happened in Philly. A lot of things happened in Philly. But this specific thing happened that made me go, man, remember when a lot of Packer fans thought that Green Bay really needed a strong owner who would really push for for all these changes? Yeah, maybe that was not the right thing to want. So let's start with this this discussion about a trade. Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated and MMQB reported yesterday that Preston Smith was among a host of of players potentially on the trading block. And it makes sense that these guys would be on the block because teams are trying to get under the cap and they don't want to cut these players because that means they get nothing for them. And you remember, you don't get comp picks for players you cut. Comp picks, the comp pick structure is for free agents, not players who are under contract and then are relieved of that contract by their team. Preston Smith has been the guy that everyone has assumed would be released by the Packers. Brian Gutekunst in his press conference last week said, no, no, Preston's our guy. Guess what? If you are trying to trade Preston Smith, you can't say, yeah, we're trying to figure out Preston's future. And you can't do the kind of equivocation that a GM would normally do when your intention is to release that player, right? And what you can do so that you save face from uh, an integrity standpoint is say, look, uh, we got offered this this trade deal we were able to get something for Preston Smith and that was better than getting nothing for Preston Smith and so we decided that this was the best thing for our football team you can kind of play both sides of it right kind of i it's not that i don't know who would trade for Preston Smith because Preston Smith is still a good football player who had a bad season if you look at his 2019 season, 50-plus pressures, double-digit sacks. The year before, didn't have the sack numbers in Washington, but also had 50-plus pressures. Those are not flukes. You have that kind of production, that kind of back-to-back season where you say, okay, in the first situation, didn't have another great player like Zadarius Smith to draw attention away from him. Ryan Kerrigan, not that guy. And a different kind of scheme. And you come in and and you're dropping a little bit more in coverage um, and you uh, play really well. Play really well for Mike Patton. That stuff is not a fluke. It's not a fluke. 
there's still talent there. He didn't just wake up one day and was bad. I think the the no fans affected his energy levels. I think he came in a little bit out of shape. And you hope that that he can get his body together, can get his mind right, and can get back to playing really good football. And if it's for Green Bay, you hope that even more. But this is a guy who a year ago was a Pro Bowl caliber player. And no, he didn't have a very good 2020. But if you can get a guy like this in a trade, there are going to be teams out there. You need pass rush. This is not a good draft class for pass rush. There is no top-end blue-chip prospect. If you're one of these teams with a bunch of cap space, are you going into free agency going, wait, what's the deal? Uh, Where is everybody? It's not a great free agent class either. So if you need a pass rusher, where are you going to find that guy? Where are you going to find that guy? Well, you might find it in a trade. Carlos Dunlap was cut by the Seahawks. Maybe you think that's good enough and maybe you can get him for, you know, less money than than you'd have to pay Preston Smith. Remember, the, the signing bonus money, the base salary is all this team has to take on. You know, the, Preston Smith is going to count more on the Packers cap because they spread out his signing bonus than he would on a new team. So he's actually a relative bargain to a team trading for him. So what could a trade look like? Well, I thought, you know, how could you make this mutually beneficial? How could you find a trade partner with the cap space who would be willing to say, yeah, we can we can take on a guy who maybe is a little bit overpaid and just roll with it. The thing is, he's he's making under 7 million in base salary in 2021. Under 7 million. He's got a workout bonus and a roster bonus. Green Bay does not want him to hit that roster bonus. So they have two days into the new league year to sign, to trade or cut him. They could do it now. The signing bonus is going to count on the cap this year and next year. Next year, in 2022, he's $11 in base. But remember, those signing bonus numbers do not carry to a new team. So over two seasons, he's under $18 million total in base salary to get a guy who, at least in one season of the last two, was a double-digit sack pass rusher. So what about a team like New England? They have a need on the edge. They are going into a draft where they do not have a lot of great options. And Preston Smith is the sort of long, talented player who can rush, but who can also push the pocket and who, when he's motivated, can be a good run defender. He was not always motivated last year. And maybe Bill Belichick is looking at him going, man, with all that physical tool, I could take him and mold him into something Really good. Now he's going to be, you know, he's, this is his age 29 season. But Belichick has a history of taking these kinds of players, precisely these kinds of players, and and getting them closer to their ceiling. One of the players also on this trade list, Stephon Gilmore. And Stephon Gilmore was very much on the block uh, last year. And then guess what? 
he has a major injury, tears his quad. So is he healthy? What's the situation? We don't actually really know. And that could be a, a potential sticking point. But could the Packers say, okay, Patriots, a team that they have traded with a number of different times, especially on draft day, hey, um, we'll give you Preston. We'll take Stephon Gilmore. And of course, you know, the medical's got to check out. You know, you have to clear them to, for the trade to go through. Otherwise, you can void the trade. And we'll give you a third round pick that becomes a second if Gilmore starts 16 games. I think that's a fair deal. He, Gilmore was going to be a, a guy who got a first round pick at the trade deadline. Now he's in the last year of his deal. He is very reasonably priced if, if the Patriots were to deal him. $7 million in base salary. Now they would also have to eat some signing bonus. It's a very similar situation. In fact, if you look at the numbers, it's basically a financial wash. Preston Smith, base 685. Stephon Gilmore, 7. And the Packers are, are having to eat $4 million in signing bonus. The Patriots would have to eat three point six in signing bonus. Plus, he's got a roster bonus. Now it's not very big. But he has one just for, you know, the, the symmetry of it. So... You're, you're giving up a pick, you're giving a pass rusher, and you're getting back a premier, a premier cover corner. Now, he'll be 31 this season. We don't know how much the quad injury has sapped his athleticism, but he's also a player who is physical, is smart, is great with his hands, is great attacking the ball. A slight slip in athleticism where he gets to be CB2, he doesn't have to be that press A number one man corner who's going to follow guys around the field all day. He did that in New England because he can and he could. In Green Bay, can play a lot more zone coverage, can still press. Is it the perfect fit? You know, he was he was really good in, in the kind of scheme that Bill Belichick wanted to play. It's a lot more man coverage, but maybe you could play some more man principles. And, and this, by the way, this zone defense... There are going to be times when you're not going to know, is it zone or is it man? Because the 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 way that they handled zone responsibilities can look a lot like man coverage depending on the alignments and depending on the situation um, and depending on the routes being run. Gilmore is that's, that's field tilter, potentially. And if you're only giving up a third, that could become a second. And if Gilmore plays 16 games... You're going to have the best secondary in football. If you have all four of those guys, if you have Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Jair Alexander, and Stephon Gilmore all on the field at once, you have the best secondary in football. And I don't know that it's particularly close. I mean, that group, you'd have four guys who legitimately could play at a Pro Bowl level. Jair Alexander had an all-pro season last year. And Stephon Gilmore was the defensive player of the year two seasons ago. I mean, that kind of firepower defensively. I mean, who? Joe Barry, Chuck Barry. I don't care who's calling the defense. You're, if When you have that kind of talent, you're going to be in a good position to succeed. 
Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, they're in full swing. College basketball is about to turn all the way up to an 11. Real time odds, props on everything you can imagine, guys. If you can't find something to bet on for for the NCAA tournament, I don't know what to tell you. This is the best time of year to be getting in on the action. I said that about the playoffs. That was the best time. Now, again, it's the best time. They're tied for the best. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and they will match your first deposit up to 50%. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So in Philadelphia, according to Chris Morrison, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, has insisted that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback and that the team needs to do whatever they can to put him in a position to succeed. And yes, that is not a a bizarre request in as much as most ownership wants the team to put their quarterback in a position to succeed. The reason this struck me is I don't know if building around Jalen Hurts makes a lot of sense in the short or the long term. And I don't want to get too bogged down in that part of it. But it is important here. You have an owner making a football decision based on what? On emotion? On uh, financial implications? Hey, if we, you know, we just took this guy in the second round, is it PR? You can't take a guy in the first? Because that's basically what he's saying. Howie, You cannot take a first-round quarterback. Even if you love Trey Lance or you love Justin Fields or whoever, and that guy's available, you can't take him or I'm going to be pissed because I told you to support this guy. Well, what if that is not in the best long-term interest of the football team? You got to do it because he's the owner. If you go back 2016, 2017, 2018, There was a vocal group of fans. I have friends like this. I'm sure you have friends like this. Maybe you are the friend who's like this. Saying this would not be tolerated in an organization with an owner. And the fact that they don't have an owner puts them at a big disadvantage. They're not going to overpay for free agents. They're not going to move on from this GM. They're not going to move on from this coach. And those same people are the ones who are saying, oh, this front office, they, they're fine with just being good. They don't care about winning championships, et cetera, et cetera. And their insistence was an owner would make the difference because they would push the team to go that extra mile. And I even got, I would get into discussions, I'll call them discussions, with these fans and say, yeah, but what if the owner wants to do the wrong thing? Or, or what if, you know, trying to go sign players doesn't work out? They would say, well, at least they're trying. I can see that perspective. Here is the, here is the, the thing that I keep going back to. Owners do not act benevolently when it comes to their football teams. And that is because they do not have perfect information. 
No one can act benevolently, really in, in under any circumstances, just because we don't have perfect information. But owners also don't make decisions based solely on what is the best thing for the on-field team. And I was going to say product, but they, they do usually try at least to make the best decisions for the on-field product because the on-field product is what earns them money. But the money part of it is, is real. Mark Murphy doesn't get the money. Jeffrey Lurie gets the money. Mark Murphy gets paid. But Jeffrey Lurie, when he's making these financial decisions, when he's saying don't take a first-round quarterback, he's doing it with the understanding that he's writing the checks and that when they make the money, when the NFL sends those revenue checks out and especially those revenue sharing checks out, that money goes into Jeffrey Lurie's pocket. Not so with Mark Murphy. Now, there have been a lot of discussions about the power structure and is it the best thing for the team? And we, we don't know right now. We, we have not seen evidence that it's a problem um, other than when reportedly Mark Murphy did not and Russ Ball did not want to pay for Darren Rizzi, the special teams coach. And guess what? Um, the Packers have had to fire the, the special teams coach they hired instead. And it seems like Matt LaFleur has enough pull to be able to say, yeah, we're not doing that. Sorry. This is my guy and we're going to hire him. The idea that having an owner who meddles and pushes and wants to be great, I think is an, an intuitive idea because that's how fans see themselves. Hey, I just want them to keep pushing and always be trying stuff and go that extra mile. That is, those are all great platitudes and it's all well and good. But a lot of the time, in fact, most of the time, that doesn't work out. It backfires or, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Jerry Jones was trying to win football games when he signed Zeke Elliott to a crazy deal. And guess what? It made it more difficult to negotiate with Dak Prescott. And now that that the Cowboys gave Dak four for 160, their cap is exploded because they paid this ludicrous salary to a, to a running back. Well, they're trying to win. They're not not trying to win. Right? If Jerry Jones was your owner as a fan, you feel really good about it because he's always trying to win. He's always trying to sign guys. When was the last time they won? When was the last time they were even close to winning? I mean, close. The last great season they had, the Packers, a, a band of misfit toys, go into Dallas and beat the one seed. To me, trying is not an inherent good. Success is the goal. To be good is the goal. And so if you're good, that's good. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is that simple to me. Oh, they're not trying hard enough. Well, guess what? Jeffrey Lurie's trying. But maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about because I don't think Jalen Hurts is so good First of all, I don't think he's very good, full stop. I just, I'm not sold on him. I want to see more. And and in any event, four, four and a half games, it's not enough to make a determination. If you can go into this draft and they have the, the draft capital to do it, to get that guy or to, to at least take a swing at that guy, and Washington should have done it. 
I mean, Washington could have taken Justin Herbert. And by the way, uh, Chase Young is a really good football player, but Justin Herbert is a no-brainer over the next 10 years. Justin Herbert is probably one of two or three players that you would not trade straight up for Deshaun Watson right now, considering age and contract. If you offered Washington Deshaun Watson for Chase Young, they would do it in a second. They would probably give up, they would probably give up picks. If you called Dan Snyder and gave and said, we'll give you Deshaun Watson for Chase Young and two first round picks, Dan Snyder says yes. 100 percent says yes. My my point in bringing all this up is that the assumption that having someone trying is inherently good ignores years of history when trying has resulted in disaster, when it is in misguided ways. Dan Snyder is a perfect example with the Washington football team. They try. They try to win every year. He goes out and signs guys. They're trying to win football games. They're just not very good at it. Wouldn't you rather the team be good at it? Wouldn't you rather the team be winning? It just seems very strange to me to look at the last decade and say, yeah, they won a lot, but they haven't won enough. Okay, well, they've won more than basically every franchise that isn't the Patriots. They've been the most consistent and the best team in the NFC, and it's really not close. More NFC Championship games than anyone else by a mile. I'm not saying that that is good enough. All I'm saying is the the outcome and the process are linked. So what what a lot of fans are looking for is, oh, I want the team to try harder. That would make me feel better. I would just I feel like they're trying. But then they're good. Like look at the last offseason. They didn't do really anything. They took a couple, you know, uh low risk swings. One of them paid off. The draft class did next to nothing. And they got better. And there are still some people out there who are going, yeah, but think of what they could have done. They went to the NFC Championship game. They had the best team in the conference. And they didn't play well enough. I wish you would have enjoyed it. I wish you would have enjoyed the season because the season was really fun. I will always remember the 2020 season because of the way Aaron Rodgers played. Because of the way Devontae Adams played. Because of the way Jair Alexander played. Because of the second half that Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage had. Because of Big Bob Tunyon becoming a mainstream thing. And not just a silly thing that we say on this show and in the Acme Packing Company Slack. I don't want this to become a a referendum on the approach. That's not what this is. I just think that that segment of fans, has you have to look at how this plays out in other organizations. And I just, I want you to be careful what you wish for. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Did you know that chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. This is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got a unique and remarkably easy-to-navigate catalog. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, rockauto.com has 
reliably low prices always. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Paige Demakos from the Draft Network is on the show. Uh, I did this last year, and I had a blast with it. Um, the way that I like to approach drafts and and needs and players and targets and all that stuff, I like to ask fans of opposing teams or people who cover opposing teams, who is the guy that you want to see the Packers draft the least? And so I just thought it was appropriate to start doing that with a Bears fan. And Paige is the best, and Paige has been on this show before. Um, Paige is great, and and what they're doing over at the Draft Network is awesome. Uh, they, they uh, Justin over there is is doing all of the. He's got every Zoom meeting that's that's basically taken place over the last two months. He's on it. Um, and, and the Packers have been meeting with a lot of different kinds of players, um, some intriguing guys. And, uh, I want to talk to her about that as well. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski, follow the podcast on Twitter, locked on Packers, like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts. And anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.